0: Hello there, folks. It's time for the greatest fitness podcast on the planet, presenting you with a northerner, a southerner, and an Irishman talk fitness. Three men that share the same mission of helping people around the world live healthier and happier lives without the need for fad diets, whilst still being able to enjoy a nice cold beer. Without further ado, I introduce to you Crabby, Dale, and James. Grab yourself a cold beer. And remember, folks, get busy living or get busy dying.
1: Guys, hello, and welcome back to another episode of A Northerner, A Southerner, and An Irishman Talk Fitness. Today, you are stuck with just the three of us without a guest. So myself, Crabby, and James, we had a discussion, an open chat, Uh, there was no planning regarding this episode we just had a chat about what makes a successful and an unsuccessful client this is really really good for anyone who's already working with a trainer or a coach and how they can potentially essentially get better results with the trainer or the coach or if you're thinking about working with someone you can get an insight into what makes a successful client against potentially an unsuccessful one. As I say, this was an open discussion. We had a little bit of a chat around Crabbey's holiday in Portugal as well. Um, he was recording this episode sat on his balcony in Alba Fuera. So, not bad while we were sat at home in the average to poor weather. But anyway, before we go on and before you get to this episode, please listen into this next little bit. This is your last opportunity now, listen to this episode, to take advantage of the early bird price for our seminar, The Secret to Weight Loss for Life, which is going to be hosted Saturday the 6th of March 2021. We are hoping this is going to be held in Birmingham, but COVID-permitting, it may not be. And if it isn't allowed to happen in Birmingham in person, we'll be hosting this webinar uh, as a webinar virtually. So this event is going to run either way, okay? This is your last opportunity to take advantage and get the early bird price before the 30th of September 2020. So guys, press pause, head over to the show notes, get your ticket. If you enjoy listening to this three of us, if you want to know the secret to weight loss for life, head over there now, as I say, hit pause, come back into this podcast, and as I say, hopefully you enjoy it. So now that you're back, you've bought your ticket, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
2: Right, hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of a northerner, a southerner, and an Irishman. All talk fitness, lads. How are we? I'm good, and you got it right, mate. You got it right, fucking hell. You know, my hands like never been so clammy, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked uh, after one week on the piss in Portugal, you managed to get the name of the podcast right.
2: To be fair, four days after being back, I think my body's just recovered as well, literally, yeah. It was a little bit, um, a little bit heavier than expected.
0: Explain about your session in Portugal, Krabi.
2: Right. So obviously, the, the intention was to, because we weren't going to Ibiza, it was this notion that it's going to be this nice, chilled seven days albufera, somewhere I've never been before. Portugal, sophisticated. You know, go to the old town, sophisticated meals, end up being seven day booze up in like Seshliem, literally. All inclusive probably didn't help because the beers just flowed at midday. <laughs> like the first words were, ah, it's 5pm somewhere. So like someone would just come around the corner with three or four beers and it'd be like, oh here we go. Um, and yeah, and then you just, and it was weird because I don't know about you boys, but when I, when I drink, I, I get hungry, but this holiday I, I hardly ate, like literally hardly ate and my appetite, I'm only just getting it back. So I'm having like a bacon sandwich now and I feel like sick. I think my body's rejecting good food. It was either really shit pizza and chips, like soggy chips, <laughs> uh, uh, or it was just like, yeah, it just wasn't nutrient dense or, you know, friendly food for the body, uh, or it was just a lot of beer. And um, yeah, so anyway, could be worse. Um,
0: The all-inclusive is definitely dangerous because I remember last year I went all-inclusive on a holiday and in the lead up to it, you know, some of my clients had been in holiday, you know, the previous few months and, you know, before they went, a lot of them would get worried, you know, about putting on weight or, you know, that type of thing. And I always, in my experience, I found the people who go on holidays actually don't put on that much weight because they're a lot more active. And they might eat a lot of shit or drink, but they mightn't eat that much or, you know, they mightn't have that many calories really, but, and the extra walking that they do tends to, to sort of curb that. But anyway, this is my first all-inclusive holiday. And in the months leading up, I've been telling people all this. And I think after my holiday, I put on over half a stone. (laughs) It was only a week. Um, So I was like, oh shit,
2: I am not telling anyone this. (laughs)
1: No, check. Can, can you hear me now?
2: It's still pretty low. you a little bit. You were quieter than when we first jumped on. All oh, right. Wait there. So
0: yeah, that is. I didn't really practice what I preach in that sense of of things, but um, it was worth it. But what yeah. I found, I don't know if you found this in Portugal, but the beer over there it absolutely ruined my stomach.
2: I, th- I think I can resonate with that to be honest because I had we were having Superbok, obviously that's that's their beer, and I've never really really had it that much. But when I had a pint of Estrella, which was like five days in at a different bar, I could taste the difference. Like mm. it actually tasted like a really nice crisp beer, but the Superbok was just like served in a half plastic cup, which probably didn't help. But yeah. it, that's probably why maybe I didn't eat as much. It, I, I think it might destroy my stomach. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, it was just. Uh, it but they're, don't get it wrong, it still wasn't.
0: their whole beer is so strong though, it's like it's yeah. like over five percent, I think. Yeah,
2: you know, you know, when you like obviously you go five days out drinking or two weeks and you drink and you just like it takes three pints to be on the floor. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: this was like obviously four days in, still drinking more than the first day, but your tolerance is like up here, like with anything, like yeah. you know, yeah, like they say, like so by the end, it took like a few shots of absinthe. mate it was so oh god yeah we met these people and i gave a shot of absence to this person and um they as soon as they as soon as they had it they were just sick everywhere in this bar jesus it was was hilarious i was like i'm not sure i should have done that (laughs) (laughs) i
0: I can just imagine that person the next day they're like thinking oh i met this really nice english guy
2: and oh wait
0: <laughs> just remember back what happened. <laughs> he was the person that made me sick.
2: Oh, no, mate. But yeah, all in all, it was good. It was just, um, it was a lot messy than intended, but it's always going to be, you know, four lads, all inclusive, as you say, in the sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
0: no. Yeah, well, I, I'm i not quite going to Portugal. I'm going to court next week. Um, And obviously, it won't be as wild as your one, I would say, but I can't wait. Like, they have. Cork have their own version of Guinness called Murphy's, uh, and it's really nice. So, I actually get that
2: you get that in the Irish pubs when you go away, don't you? Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I've I've not had that. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, you're sounding sounding exquisite now.
2: That's it, excellent.
0: Can you hear me now?
2: Can you hear me now? (laughs) I'm on the bus. (laughs) So, that's that, that's that like browner version, isn't it?
0: No, that's a Kilkenny. No, Murphy's is the. It's the same color as Guinness. It's oh. the same type of beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've definitely seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. So I'm going to the home of it. So it's bound to be good.
2: What about you, there? How you been, mate? All right?
0: Yeah, all good. Really, just busy be PT
1: and stuff. Just getting my head into that. Um, so yeah, yeah, all good. But no, no partying. None of that, like you've been doing.
2: Yeah, no, I think um, I think the reason it I probably didn't even need to go, you know, like I knew I was going to go into quarantine. It was like, I've been deprived of three holidays, so fuck it, I'm going to go. And uh, between me and you two on this podcast and obviously everyone else listening, uh, yeah, this has caused a lot of grief this holiday, which is why I'm glad I'm quarantining.
0: You need <laughs> I, a holiday I,
2: after that holiday. Literally. And it does feel like I'm still kind of holiday because I'm with my mate, just me and him doing a bit of work, you know, cooking each other food and, and whatnot and have, having a good laugh and you don't have to, you know, yeah, get all the, yeah, backlash from the family and all that, like, yeah. so. no, it's good. But you just sort of like, you just blow your bollocks on holiday and you're like, okay, I needed that. <laughs> no matter how bad you felt, like, you just like I needed that. You'll never yeah, I was talking there, to a
1: yeah. client who, she's been to Cornwall and she's like, yeah, I didn't necessarily need a, a holiday, but then after I've gone, I realised everyone needs a holiday at the minute with what's going on.
2: Yeah, yeah that's it. It was like, everyone was just set, like, all my clients were like, saying about, oh, I don't see the point in going on holiday now. Like, and at first, so did I. But I was just like, look, I just want to get away. I want to go online for the for the whole month and, and just have less restrictions. You know what I mean? Not having to worry about as much as, yeah. Because that's what holiday is all about at the end of the day. You know, going relaxing and just not sticking to normal routine effectively. Um, but yeah, you know, it, everyone's got their own individualized opinion, especially when you're going with quarantine. And most of the people that are saying that probably can't quarantine when they get back. That's probably why they don't see the benefit. So yeah, no, that makes that a little bit of difference. James, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. My
0: phone <laughs> is messing up a bit. Like cardboard cutout, mate. Yeah, sorry. I I've just been trying to
1: sort my, Mic out again. There's the echo in my ear, so hopefully you can't hear
0: that. No.
2: Is your microphone working? So, for those of you who can't obviously see, and we listeners, no. L's got a fancy new microphone that, as we said before, looks like he's about to spit some lyrics. Yeah. Who <laughs> says Yeah, but it's mic.
1: very technical, and I haven't got it working yet
0: properly. Uh, uh, your, your, uh, your rap name has to be MC Maestro D. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be doing no rapping. Thank when you.
2: Have seminar next year, mate. You're you're coming on and doing the. Yeah. Uh, you'll do. <laughs> and you'll do the encore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll learn to mix, but I won't be rapping.
2: <laughs> cool, like, yeah. me sitting on the floor with my laptop in my hippie trousers, and James, <laughs> James balancing his phone against something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is an incredibly professional podcast. It is, that's yeah. it. That's
2: yeah. it. Right, I'm sipping on a protein shake, guys. So yeah, that counts. All
1: right, should we should we maybe give the listeners some value now? Go
0: on, Em. Go for
1: it. Go and break it away. So the bit that I was going to suggest we talked about this week um, is kind of the difference between a successful client and an unsuccessful client. So mindset differences, how they apply what kind of PC they do, just to get you guys' take on it.
2: James, go on. Um,
0: Yeah, the first sort of thing that I find a good indication of a client, I think we've actually spoke about this before, uh, is there's definitely a correlation between the amount of questions the client asks and how I suppose how good the results are, and if you find that a client is really inquisitive and not so much even the the amount of questions they're asking, but they're asking good questions, if that makes sense. So it's not a question such as can I can I eat this, you know, X food or um, you know something really micro like that that doesn't really make any difference, you know, when you when you take it on its own. It's asking maybe things like, "Why am I doing this exercise?" or um, "Why should I go to bed before twelve pm?" So that they're trying to understand what's the principles behind what they're doing. Um, if you if you hear a client or if you guys are asking your PTs that, that's a good sign because you're really trying to understand what's going on. Um, so that's one uh, thing that I find is an indication of a good client. Um, another thing would be, and I, I always tell this to people that sign up with me first is people that, you know, whenever you sign up to a program that's maybe eight to 12 weeks long, there are going to be issues that you run into. So, you know, you it might be piss and rain so you can't go out for a walk or you might get injured or a fucking cat die or something, you know. You don't want to use those things as excuses. You kind of want to problem solve around those. So I always tell my clients: the great thing when you sign up to a program is any of those issues that you run into, your PT or your online coach is there to kind of guide you through them. And um, again, that kind of harps back to the questions thing. So, and um, th- that would be kind of two things that would leap out to me: is asking intelligent questions, and Uh, you know, taking responsibility and not using issues that come up as excuses. And there's loads of other things, but I'll maybe let Crabby chime in with what he, he thinks.
2: Yeah. Don't, don't take all the words, mate. Jesus, (laughs) you got to leave me (laughs) saying. So I don't think you're going to have any problem with this question. No, definitely not. No, I've already got three comes to mind. I actually did a video on this recently. Um, It's a very good question. Some quality points there, James. Um, it's, I think we did talk about this before as well in another podcast where it's the clients that show that little bit of interest into why they're doing what they're doing. And it's a great way to build rapport because as trainers, like we love being asked our why, probably, why we're doing something yeah. so we can you know empower someone with a little bit of knowledge that they didn't know before. And it's a great way to build rapport and trust and for that person to, again, have a tool on their belt, effectively. So like we always say, like we want to be the... Well, maybe not the first, but we want to be the last trainer that someone ever has. So they can you know, eventually go and do it on their own. Um, some of the things that I mentioned in the video that I was doing the, yesterday, I think it was the first thing is implement. Like when you're on board to a 12-week program, implementation is the biggest, fa- like one of the biggest factors. And if you don't implement, you will get fuck all because there's, I feel there's this notion that when people come on board to a program that they... They think that just being told what to do or the hour in the, the, the workout is gonna get them the results, but you need to implement what's given to you because at the end of the day, we always, we always think, and thinking creates thoughts, which won't get you anywhere. Action is what's gonna get you to where you wanna be. The second thing is, um, or lastly, is making sure that you, the second thing, sorry, is lean into the, uh, lean in and ask for help. Like a successful client like James says, we'll have inevitable obstacles. Whether you're successful, whether you're not, it doesn't matter who you are, you're always gonna have obstacles. The, the the reason people succeed is because they ask for help or they manage to get themselves out of them obstacles. But the only way that you're gonna get yourself out of a problem is to ask because the same level of thinking that got you to that problem isn't the same level of thinking that's gonna get you away from that problem. And again, James mentioned it's so imperative to have that external perspective for a PT to help you. So, yeah, mainly the two things, actually not three, um, is to lean in and ask for help. Because as coaches, we have to do the same thing as well, as all three of us do have coaches. We need to ask for help. And yeah, firstly, um, whatever I just said. <laughs> 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 what is fucking- Impl- Implement. I'm still in holiday mode. Implement, that's it. Implement and ask for help. That's, that's what, made, in my opinion, makes a successful client because there's nothing worse for especially a personal trainer and the client itself, we can't help you if you don't str- if you don't tell us what you're struggling with. You know, we don't follow you around every day, and also you've got to be truthful to yourself. You know, n- not not um, not n- maybe not lying, but try not to make yourself feel better by not telling the truth. Effectively, just be honest.
1: Yeah, that brings me on to what I wanted to say. So I think you both hit the nail on the head there. They've got to be a good communicator with you. Yeah. And it's the trainer or coach's responsibility at the start to make sure they know that it's an open communication and that they can come to you and how to come to you. But it is on the client to make sure that they do continue to do that. Um, and then the honesty side of it's important as well. Because you guys do know as well as I do, when you have that initial call and you say, what do you normally have for breakfast, dinner and tea? They tell you what you want to hear not what you need to hear and the truth. So it's important from the off that you don't necessarily call them out, but you make sure the information's accurate and make sure then that they're comfortable in coming to you. And like you said, James, acknowledging the roadblocks that are coming and saying, right, this is what's happening. What do you recommend? Or even better, if they can try and solve the problem themselves and then say, right, right, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Is that okay with you? Or have you got any further advice? And I think them thinking about being a problem solver themselves and learning or using the knowledge that they've picked up from you and from the others in the community makes them more successful. And then within the client community, people look up to them because they can see that they can fend for themselves. And then the clients that are new will often look to you or that client For advice once you build that community i found those clients then start helping the new clients that are coming in yeah
0: Yeah, definitely uh -hmm. because i would definitely be guilty of forgetting to explain why i'm doing stuff um like i it's nearly like subconsciously i think that everyone just knows but obviously they don't like because they're not personal trainers so um I always see it as a good sign when they're asking because I definitely tend to, you know, miss it out. Like I kind of forget to do that, but and it's something I definitely need to work on. But yeah, when you hear a client ask, you know, why am I doing a squat? Why am I doing a hip thrust? You know, all of these things, then it's a really, really good sign because they want to understand it. And as you mentioned, Krabby, that they want to know why it works so that even when they're finished working with you that they can continue and do it themselves because
2: they understand the
0: benefit of it
2: then. 100% no 100% and, um, and yeah like you said otherwise it's a case of if they're not asking that why you know for example if they're getting given a program and they're not knowing why they're doing it then eventually maybe if they finish their 12 week program and they think they can do it on their own then they'll resort back to you know something that they weren't doing with you because they didn't know why they were doing it no, they didn't know maybe what muscles those exercises were targeting they didn't know how they make you biochanically move better um re, you know prehab prevent uh, reduce risk of injury and all that um so no it's a very good point and um i love what you did. i think what you just said there, was you know like the veteran clients you know helping others out as well is is very important because they're all like-minded people at the end of the day. Like we do what we do. We do this podcast and we do our mastermind because we're like-minded people so we can help each other. Problem solve, share wins. It's exactly what our clients should be doing and do. Um, I regularly ask my my veteran clients on a, on a regular basis. I did it yesterday actually. I said, can you go on the group and just go, you know, can you answer this question or can you share a big win? Because it just, it helps other yeah. people. And they're successful clients because, because yeah, it gives them a sense of, Value as well. Yeah. What?
1: What about? So, I know, Krabi. You've moved from face to face to online, but you've had a lot of experience doing that. Have you found that people that see you more frequent, frequently, sorry, um, get better results or not? I
2: uh, so going off of the fact that I've only been doing online for 14 weeks, it's a hard question to answer, but I'd say, I say it's easily feasible to get just as good results online as it is offline. In my opinion, you know, with the results that most of my clients have got, um, and if you give them the right support and the right exercises, you know, I'm constantly on my clients to be fair about, you know, how they're moving as well because um, obviously I really want them to be doing the exercises properly, which is why I've uploaded loads of exercises myself doing the exercises. Um, but I feel that they they hold them, they hold themselves to a higher standard than they would if they were with me. Because or I hold themselves to a higher standard than they do effectively. But with the one-to-one, they see as if from a financial perspective, they see as if they're paying for the session. Whereas with the online, they know what they're getting out of it. They have, I reckon they get more cause I can, I have more energy to serve them rather than see someone one-to-one and then checking with them every single day. You know, with that online, it's like I have more time, more energy and more freedom to just target everyone at once. And I think the whole community support accountability is so much easier from from my standpoint doing it online. But I think, yeah, to answer your question simplified, it's, I think I couldn't see it at first. I was quite skeptical because I've never done online, but it's going to take time, but I think you can get good results. It's also a case of how long that person has been training as well, I think, maybe.
1: Yeah, 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 totally. And then, James, what about you for, like, face-to-face? So, say you've got someone who's on one session a week to three sessions a week. Are they? Do you see any differences in chances of getting results, do you think?
0: Um... Well, with a new client, I never let them start in one session a week um, because it's, it's next to impossible to get the results they want. Fucking because, like, you know, say it just it takes too long to get a handle of the exercises it takes. There's not enough kind of touch points. Um, there's not enough interaction. You know, obviously you can check in online, but it's not the same. Um, so everyone starts on two sessions a week with me. Uh, And the only people then that I let do one session a week are the people who have been with me for quite a while. And I feel that are pretty comfortable to do, you know, two to three gym sessions on their own. They're only really coming to me for, you know, updates and programs or, you know, new exercises or really just to stay someone to stay accountable to. So those clients a lot of them are at a point where it's nearly just maintaining you know what they have um anyone who you know has a substantial amount of weight to lose or wants to i don't know be able to do a chin up or hip trust 150 kilos or whatever that will take probably two sessions a week because you just need you know a lot more guidance um but yeah as crabby said it's dependent on the person but new clients you need to do two sessions a week minimum. Um, unless they're really, really experienced in the gym, yeah. uh, that would be the only only exception. Or less, less so, with that in mind.
1: Would you take on an online client who, as you described it, is new? Or would they have to do face-to-face first with you?
0: No, I would take on online clients. But the online, for who I tend to... push for is a little bit different like I would tend to always push towards um, fat loss clients and you know the vast majority of those tend to maybe do like workouts at home Um, and it's really more for the accountability on this on the food and habit side of things more so than the gym you know when someone comes into the gym it's a lot more difficult because it's a lot more technical because you have to show them how to do a squat do them with bench press all of those things so for the majority of online clients it's it's really just accountability in terms of food and then uh, home workouts and things like that and the exercises that I can show them how to do at home are you know relatively simple in comparison to the gym-based exercises
2: yeah and that's it like most all of my clients mate because obviously I only did it in lockdown all of my clients have come to me with the notion that they're working out at home, so I haven't got anyone going to use these fancy pieces of equipment um, and I've managed to upload simple exercises well myself um, but like I like you yeah like I said and you just said James the dependent on how quickly the person will get results and obviously their standpoint in in where they're at weight wise will you know dictate how quickly they progress but I always get someone to do a movement assessment so someone to do the, the the five major patterns, which would probably be a squat, because I feel like, as we all know, a lot of people, body weight squat is um, is pretty off, um, a hip hinge, and then see if they can do maybe a push-up, uh, see if they can retract their shoulders for a horizontal row, and then I'll look at their core by just getting them to do some shoulder taps, which will just allow me to see how they're sort of in that um, anti-rotation position, or maybe a dead bug for anti-extension, and then from there, I can sort of program their exercise, but I can see why people are sceptical of online, 100%, because they're like, I need that face-to-face. But then there are some people that need the face-to-face and want it. They like the interaction. So it's, um, it's a very mixed opinion. And that's why it's two different services. Exactly. Exactly exactly that. Exactly that, mate. Okay, yeah.
1: But yeah, I think when people look for face-to-face, they go, I've written a blog on this, but not published it yet, around how people ask how much it is per session. So people think, right, I'll do one a week. I don't want to spend any more per month. So say that's 150 a month compared to paying 250 a month for two sessions a week, as an example. However, the rate at which they're likely to get results at one per week is fairly slow and may take twice the time or more of someone who is more committed having two a week. So financially short term, it's more money, and it's a bit more of a stretch. But because you've got more skin in the game, because you're seeing people more, your PT more frequently, you're likely to get results. So you might only need three to six months of two sessions a week to get where you want to be and learn what you want to know. But one session a week, it's, it's kind of dipping your toe in. And it's fine for some, pe- some people and it works, but it may take you 12 months, 18 months, longer. And if you work out that investment over time, probably spending more.
2: Time is money as well, in the daylight, fuck me.
1: And there's the time element, yeah, but if you do 12 to 18, or whatever it is, say 12 times 150, and then you do three months times 250, which one's less, and you've got results faster. So the investment over time is that you get the result faster and you've spent less. It's just that initial thought sometimes for people, and they think, "How much is it per session? I'll just do one a week." Do you know what I mean? Not?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah like you said, mate, and James, you just rightly said it as well. It's the people that train once a week that I reckon it takes longer than twice the time to get the results if you train twice a week. Hundred percent, because you haven't got that touch point. You you haven't got the interaction and the time to go right. You need to change this. You haven't got the as much accountability. Cause there's a one-to-one service as much as we try and portray it as this, um, you know, regular round the clock service, which it is, it's, it's, it's still not as good as seeing someone twice a week. And those people are going to rely on the hour that you're training more than the outside. And it's just that, like, again, that motivation when you see your trainer, you're like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this and how good they feel after a session where if they train on a Monday and then they go through the week and then, you know, the weekend comes, then the inevitable, you know, you know uh pull all over your eyes drink eat it all and then oh pt again hi i've done this it's like we haven't got the time to intervene before you've done that mm-hmm. because you just had a really shit week at work so in, and in my opinion my <laughs> the worst clients like the biggest <laughs> i won't say it the biggest wankers of clients are the ones that i've trained <laughs> once a week and i've had to fire not gonna lie they're the worst. not all of them that train once a week i'm just saying like the ones that tried to save money once a week are, are, are the unsuccessful clients.
1: So that. what? Let's go into that. So why do you think that is? What do they do or not do that the people that do two or three a week do to make them more successful?
2: Uh, they don't trust the process. They don't listen to what's implemented. Um, a lot of them are know-it-alls. So they think they know it, and they're too hung up on the external reward. So, or, or they just don't want to be there. Like the amount of people that I've taken in as a, on a once a week basis and they could not think of anything worse than being in my gym. And this was at a time where I was taking anyone on and it really gave me real anxiety before the session. I'm like, I really don't want to train this person. And he Because didn't...
1: for them, it's a box-ticking exercise. Like I've got my PC session.
2: Yes. I've yeah, done and, it. and that's it, literally. And then after that, it's like, everything goes out the window. It's like, right, I've done like you said, tick the box off. Let's just go the week, um, go about my week as normal. Do
0: you ever, do you ever get a text from a client after a gym session and they say, wow, that was a really good session. You're like, that person gets it. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. that's someone who wants to be there and, and enjoys it, you know? So, um, I think it's, you can pick up little things off clients. Like, and you can, you can tell, like, you can tell after a week if a client is going to be, going to get, is going to be a success or they're going to struggle.
1: It's easier to affect the trajectory of their week. So when you see them, you know whether they're in a good place, an okay place or a bad place. You can see it on their faces or in their energy or their enthusiasm to be there. And if you have them once a week, you've got 45 minutes or an hour to turn that around yeah. and to try and get them to keep that for seven days until they see you again. But if you see them twice a week, you've got two opportunities per week to do that.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's easier to maintain that intensity, that motivation for two to three days between sessions yeah. than it is for yeah. seven. Like you said, a weekend gets in the way. And then it's almost like start again
2: they're they're epic points from both of you it's like it's not even it is but it's not just that second session it's the getting and intervening and making sure that they're they're they're, they're keeping to their habits they're keeping to their steps and they're keeping to everything and if they're not then we're there to tell them it, it's very like obviously um more volume on the muscles with the second session double the volume but again it's that you know keeping sure they're in that frequency wave which goes like that and for those of you can't see i'm doing a consistent wave level here and it's not going up on a monday and then shit wednesday happens it goes all the way down yeah and then it's all the way down for the rest of the week so
1: we talked a lot about the benefits of two sessions per week so for the people that maybe can't afford two sessions a week even though they understand and know the value of doing that what tips have you got for people that do do one a week? One a week? What, can they, what can they do to make sure that they keep that momentum and get similar results? Do you
2: want me to go first, James? i'll uh, go first. Um, so, Dale, you're saying, so you see PT once a week, and then what can they do outside of the session?
1: Yeah, so in theory, the PT, if it was with me, they'd be programmed for the sessions. So what I'm asking is, we talked about the trajectory maybe being halted after one session, three, four, five days later, losing motivation. What can they do to make sure that they're possibly as successful as those that see you two to three times per week?
2: Um, So in my opinion, if they're wanting to go to the gym, then they just sort of mimic – like. Mimic the movements you did with your PT in the gym, if you're going to the gym, or if you've just got, if you've just using, cause I, I've never worked in a commercial gym. So if you just have a PT once a week, does that mean you have to have a membership or can you just have the PT? Membership. You have to have a membership as well. Okay, so you're probably gonna use the gym. Um, so, I mean, depends what the PT would do for you. Like you, I mean, you could ask for some recommendational on exercises or just like I said, mimic the movement movements that you do with your PT and just get used to those movements for like another session or another two sessions in the week. Or you could invest in some, um, you know, pieces of equipment to do a home workout, which I think is pretty um, convenient. And um, it's a great way to, yeah, just get a workout done without having to take up too much time and stress. Um, and obviously the exercises that you do at home are quite safe. Now, outside of the session, obviously, to obviously, um, make sure that you're not hindering any progress and that you're it's important that we keep spontaneous activities, activity levels high, and obviously, nutrition's on point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite a hard, one it depends. Is that is this person like a beginner, or what I'm trying to get
1: at is yeah, let's assume that they've been programmed for their other sessions, so they're meant to be coming into the gym, right? However, the people that have two or three per week, have an appointment to come in. So right. they're going to come in. It's highly unlikely they're going to cancel and lose the money. So it was more like mindset-wise. Right. How can they position themselves in a place where they're going to do what they should be doing?
2: Right. So, again, in that sense, it's a case of um, – so from a mindset standpoint, making sure that you have your environment set up to make sure that you go to the gym. For example, you know, if you're training in the morning, um, you train your PT on a Monday morning and then you want to go Wednesday and Friday to make sure that you do it. Um, you might want to do some habit stacking. So basically we pair a new habit up with an old habit. So your gym on a Wednesday morning might be after your coffee or something like that. Um, for getting up purposes, you might set your alarm a little bit earlier because you're going to the gym and you might put your phone at the other end of the room. So when the alarm goes off, you physically have to get out of bed to turn it off. And like taking an action when people reach out to us, you have to, it's the hardest bit. Getting out of bed is the hardest bit. Once you're up, you're like, okay, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm up now, so I'm staying up. Then you might put your, you have your bag ready by the door. So again, environment set up. So you don't have to do too much thinking because the brain has a very big, knack for justifying your actions for not doing something we all know it. i'm tired so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pack my bag but if your shoes are there your bags there then you're ready to go you have your coffee fuck off to work to so have it stacked um and then obviously that's like a good sort of uh, coping mechanism resilient strategy to make sure that you go get it done and making sure that you have the workout maybe read up before you do it whatever you're doing so you don't have to dilly-dally around with what you're doing. So making sure that you're very certain of what you're doing. As soon as there's a level of uncertainty of what we're doing, when we are not familiar with the new, the new habit, that's when we start to have the temptation of not to do it. I hope that answers your question better. I really, <laughs> I went off course on the other one. So I hope that answered it better.
1: No, yeah, that's fine. That's, I, like you say, setting the environment up is a big part of it. And there's only so much we can say to this person because they haven't got a set appointment but making that gym session a booked in session with themselves put it in the calendar like a doctor's appointment yeah so I it write it down yeah and I can only take you so far obviously the client still has to come in and, and do it and as you said there's some good ways to create the best possible scenario of them doing it yeah James what would you say
0: uh, well, I might be the best person to ask this because they don't let and don't let anyone do one session a week um, initially. But uh, I think kind of everything's covered there. The main thing is, like you said, Dale, about the calendar. Um, is the what I tell people is the implementation intention. So it's basically just a phrase that you say. So I will go to the gym at. 6 p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, rather than saying, I'm going to go to the gym three times this week, because if you don't have the place, you don't have the time, you're not going to do it. And you that, need.
2: Who said that quote? I think my client told me that the day. Is that a. Uh,
0: well, I read that in Atomic Habits.
2: That's it. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, but that is like something that you need to do and it look it just works the same way as if you put it into your calendar as well like it's the same thing and um, there is something i feel about writing something down that makes a big difference um it probably works the same way in a calendar but um yeah if if you want to make sure you do it you need to set the time and the place um or it won't get done um but yeah after a while, you know, that's why I get clients to do two sessions a week initially is because it becomes a lot easier when you're already into that routine, going to the gym and you're getting the benefits. And as you said earlier, Dale, the if you're doing two sessions a week, the benefits are going to come that much quicker. So maybe after, you know, two to three months, then, you yeah. know, you will be able to go to the gym on your own consistently without missing missing days.
2: Yeah, cause you- yeah absolutely. New habit is, well, as we know, is like super hard. It's like one of the hardest things to, especially going to the gym when someone's not used to it before. It's like you're about to put yourself, not only if you've got to get up early or not only have you got to go to the gym after work where you're really stressed, you're actually going to make yourself more uncomfortable than you already are. And you know you're about to put your body through that. So it's, it's that's why the, like, the only th- thing that we can do as PTs if someone is doing that is is prescribing the best the best mindset strategies to make sure they get it done and when i said like with the alarm thing a, a good thing i think james smith said it on on one of his podcasts um but slightly differently like if you set the alarm and you look at your phone don't have it it's just the alarm like maybe write something in it like name the alarm so again yeah. it's just a trigger to, I do that so much it's gonna yeah like uh, just i don't know whatever would motivate you or a picture of i don't know a dress you want to get into i think that's what james smith said or a suit that you want to get into or something and that's just going to reinforce your why without having to keep asking yourself the why. You yeah, I, I think because I there's those... a lot of
1: distractions and reasons to not do it. And like you said before, the brain will take the easy route and convince you that you're doing the right thing by not doing the thing you should be doing. Yeah. So that's a great way of just bringing it to the front of the mind at the time when you need to do the thing that you maybe don't want to do.
2: I, I respect yeah. so many people that have a hard day's work and then go to the gym after because yesterday um, I trained at 6 p.m. I can't remember the last time I trained at 6 p.m. and I was knackered from doing fuck all. <laughs> um, I just got up from a nap, but um, I was like, I, I can't be asked to do this. And I do not even like, obviously I'm not a high performance office worker or anything, but for people that have high performing jobs and then are new to the gym and we advise them to go to the gym. I've just got to sort of had a new f- profound respect for people that do it because I realized how hard it actually is to go to another environment where you're about to stress your body even more when you're already stressed. I can see why the temptation to not do it is, becomes apparent because you know I've been four years of a gym on my own, so it's easy for me to, to, to do it. But for other people, I, I can understand why it's so difficult.
0: Yeah, well, I've I've a I've a, a new client at the moment. This guy and he trained too. Well, he trained last week too, but Tuesday and Thursday, uh, at ten to six in the morning, and then he goes home, showers, drives like an hour to work, and he does welding and he does welding to like six, comes home, and then goes straight out and does farming all the way to like ten o'clock, at night, and then. So he would do that, and then work Wednesday and then Thursday, or today, he'd done the same thing, and like, but this is like kind of harping back to that problem solving thing that I was talking about that he knows that he wouldn't train in the evening time. He told me that I said, "I have some evening slots, and he said, "I won't do it." He yeah. said, "I need to train before work before I'm fucked tired, and I'll make the excuse that I will go farming in the evening, and I'll probably cancel." So he's like, I need to train that early in the morning because it's the only time I will do it. So, um...
1: Yeah, and for people who want that downtime at night as well, if you get it done in the morning, you're less likely to not do it, as you say, because you've got all day to talk yourself out of it, especially if you've not got a meeting with a PT. But it gives you that free time in the evening. yeah. And it gives you the opportunity to get some good sleep, get to bed a little bit earlier, rather than finishing work, I'm going straight to the gym, coming back, eating your tea, settling down, It being quite late, getting to a bad rhythm with your sleep, feeling tired in the morning. It probably is easier to embed good habits to do it in the morning. And I would say, working in a commercial gym, the people that come in in the morning are the ones that you see most frequent. And most of them do it every day. The people that you see in the evening are sporadic one night they're in, three days they're not, next one they're in and I just think it's easier to get in the mindset of I'm the person that goes to the gym in the morning rather than I try and fit it in in the evening when I can.
0: Is it? All right, yeah. Do you find this, this, I don't know, is it the same in England but on a Monday evening gyms are like crazy busy, like metal and then come Thursday and Friday it's really quiet in the evening? Yeah. Statistically,
1: like the busiest day is Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. in Pure Gym, because yeah. people have still got that hangover from Monday. the weekend. And they're like, uh, ah, yeah. it's still busy, but you get the people that couldn't be asked on the Monday, to come the yeah. Tuesday. But yeah, come Thursday, Friday, it's a lot
0: quieter. Yeah, yeah, and that that kind of drives home. I never really thought about that, but that kind of drives home your point, Dale, what you're saying that you know, the mornings are steady. Like on a Friday morning is nearly the same as uh, early in the morning during the week. So it definitely is the evening time that there's a bit of a, a lull. Yeah. With flaky bastards. Yeah.
2: And and statistically, this is just subjective opinion. This isn't statistically actually true. But I reckon when I was doing evening clients that my, and this is down to work and all that, and obviously probably people just tired. but my cancellations were definitely higher in the evening, in the morning, like I can't remember yeah. the last. I only do mornings now, and I can't remember the last time had a cancellation. Um, but I remember in my head distinctly, um, two hands, more than two hands. The amount of times that people bailed because of work, or or sometimes they were like, "I'm really tired." I'm like, "Can I, can I cancel?" And it's like, oh. And I think going back to, you know, what makes successful client unsuccessful. It's totally individualized and in what the person's schedule and routine is, um, and people how people think they will train. But I think from, from my standpoint, that most people, I say most people should training in the morning again, depends on routine, but should get up that little bit earlier. And if you feel like your workout isn't as energetic at the start, it will get better. Your body will learn to adapt to that. And even if you do train, which I don't think you would after a while, like 5% less quality in the morning, like that 5%, like, come on, you're going to train more consistently than you do, you know, every now and then in the evening. So I think, um, like more like a morning is is pretty key for people because like you said, um, you like your client said James, so many more temptations to go home after a day's work when stress levels are high, and your brain's not functioning properly.
1: Yeah, and it's probably not the best time to train when you're in that mindset as well. Exactly. You know, so that's another reason to get it done before yeah. the stresses arise yeah. and put you in a bad in a bad state. Right, boys. Um, I'm going to have to shoot in a minute, so to summarise the episode, um, what makes a successful client against an unsuccessful client, between the three of us, we think it's someone who's honest, someone who communicates well, it's important that the PT or coach opens that communication up from the start, Um, and also someone who asks a lot of questions, but questions that are big, important questions, rather than focusing on... The niggly little bits, like what type of fruit should I eat, or you know, yeah. similar stuff to that. <laughs> is that a fair summary?
2: Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Also, make sure that you get a good PT. <laughs> You'll be a successful client if you get a good PT. One of us is a good start.
0: Yeah, if you're on Preston, Leitrim, or sorry, you're sorted. You're sorted. <laughs> out.
1: And if you can, go for two per week. If you're on face to face as a minimum, because yeah. I mean, I've got the stats in front of me. But I know from experience that people that do two definitely get results much quicker. 100%. 100%. Awesome. Anything else to add, gents? No, yep. that's all good for me, mate. Yep. Quality. Right. Well, before we do go, a reminder for the listeners, Saturday the 6th of March, the secret to weight loss for life seminar. You've got less than two weeks to get the early bird tickets, which are £29. They're going to be going up as of, well, the 30th of September, that offer will finish. Um, and we are in negotiations regarding the venue, it's fair to say. So things are progressing and moving. If you're already coming, feel free to invite a friend along with you.
2: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Right, boys. Nice one. Cheers, Dad. Listeners, Go thank back. you. Speak All soon. Right.